Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot round! I don't. What is hot round? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Billy Bob! This is it! The man who got us here. You ready? You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide-open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. I need that ball. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. Are you gonna get me the oh, ball? Oh, I'll get you the ball! Get me the ball! Get me the ball! Get me the ball! Get me the ball! I hope he didn't kill somebody. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's gonna make the difference between winning and losing. Between living and dying. I got a whole lot of money. Yell it for me. Bottle keep popping that water bath. Jack This is 11 personnel, and we are back in the Bluegrass, the Commonwealth of Kentucky, back from Athens. And Adam Luckett, I don't know about you, but um, I, the the road trips hit a little bit harder than they used to. Moving a little slow this week. feel like I'm day behind. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I raked the leaves on a Tuesday instead of a Sunday. Cleaned out the gutters, did the, you know, just the, the old man stuff. Did the do list, honey to-do list. Yes, Best part too is it was unprompted, so I got brownie points for that. There you go. Yeah, that's that's best, best kind of points. Tricks of the trade, right there, folks. Um, but so we're back, um, feeling better. My biggest takeaway from Athens is that I can still roll with the best of the best, just moving a lot slower the next day. Like hitting the ground running at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. ain't quite the same. It takes a while to get that engine revved up again. Yeah, yeah. Or that uh, 10W30 unit, you know, yeah. just a little bit more. Needs a little bit more sauce to it. Um, just like Kentucky could use a little bit more sauce this week uh, against the Missouri Tigers. We, we talked – I hope you all listened to our storytelling late-night edition of the podcast. 11 personnel after dark. Yes, that was um, – I enjoyed it. Um, our first guest on the show, too. Had a quite an entrance, our first guest did. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Nathan uh, – he – us Roushes, we all know how to talk. <laughs> you all, you Roushes ain't shy. I'll no, no, we are not shy folk. So you know, it made it easy, um, and it was it was good to have him on. But it's good to just be back at uh, Vacation Experts, where we've been recording for the last month. Big shout out to the not, nice little studio in here. Yeah, it really, it really is like a. I mean, it's more of a studio than we have at the bar. Like we just are in this giant open room here. It's it's. All we're missing is like some foam siding on the walls. So big shout out to Robin Troop and the folks here at Vacation Experts in Louisville. Uh, they got an office over by the Bed Bath and Beyond over on Breckenridge Lane. It's really easy to get to off the interstate, right. and that's why we meet here. It's because right it's very easy DuPont for us to get to. DuPont and Breckenridge. Yes, very easy for us to get to, um, and they will hook you up on a trip. So if you want to go uh, and party with the cats sometime this year, they'll get you there. I know a lot of people actually went to him for Champions Classic. This is a football podcast, but mm -hmm. doing the whole New that York thing. Especially on like a Tuesday night. Like right. getting those travel arrangements, real weird. Potential bowl trip maybe? Oh, Shreveport? Shreveport? Nah, not Charlotte? Shreveport. Charlotte's probably 
Think in Charlotte? Yeah, I'd be pretty if they're if they're there at even six and six, seven and five, I'd be pretty surprised if it wasn't Charlotte. Yeah, and they're kind of due for that one. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Georgia. Any what wh- what do you want to clean up from this? We talked about a lot of it. Didn't get too heavy in the X's and O's. Other than, I, I think the easiest just takeaway is three or four plays here or there. They go Kentucky's way instead of Georgia's way. It's a different well, game. Really just missed opportunities by Kentucky. You had the ball, multiple chances of score on Georgia's side of the 50. and just couldn't punch it in, especially early when you get some of that field position advantage. After that three and out, Kentucky got with Georgia backed up. Nice punt return by Josh Ali. You've got the ball right near Georgia's 40, and you go three and out. You just cannot have that. And then you get in the red zone a couple times, cannot score. You know, it, it was tough sledding against Georgia's defense, but we knew that going in. Mm-hmm. Kentucky really couldn't traditionally run the ball with a running back. Lynn Bolden did some good things. I think he had 99 yards and 17 carries, which is pretty good considering against that defense. Yeah, and it wasn't like an incredibly heavy workload either. Right. I think he had 24 in the Arkansas game. Mm-hmm. I, I'd, I'd like for him to keep it around 20. Right. Just you know, anything more than you're, he's taking a lot of shots. Right. Well, he does a good job about getting out of bounds and not throwing tacklers off and not really taking a lot of big hits. Yeah, um, he's thicker than you think. Yeah, like he, just, he for his size to be able to do some of the stuff where he gets hit, takes a pretty good shot, mm-hmm. but's able to like stunt the defender and then toss him off. Like he's a lot stronger than a lot of people think. He, he is. doesn't, and I think he's thicker than people realize he is. He he quit doing the uh, he quit doing the thing where you he, he's getting held by one leg and he's trying to like wiggle free from that one leg. Mm-hmm. And that one, he took a lot of big shots previously in his career trying to do that when it's like, just go down, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think offensively he played well. I think the offensive line kind of stepped up to the challenge where they're still having untimely penalties. Okay, Stoop said that Stenberg's wasn't a penalty. Do you agree? Like, I could see why you would call that holding, but you can't call that one and then miss the one. On DeAndre Swift's touchdown run. Yeah. That I oh. got pretty upset about the yeah. press box. It was a no cheering in the press box. <laughs> yeah. And then I went back and watched it on tape, and I did the same thing. You just – you got it. You have to call that. So, yeah. if you're going to call that one on Stenberg, you have to call the one. I'm not uh, – I'm okay if they're going to – if that's what if that the game we're going to play, mm-hmm. let's, you know, let's play it. And let's – then there should be 10 to 12 holding calls in the game. Which, by the way, the – officiating complaints prompted Greg Sankey to make a statement. And right. the statement was about 800 words of just saying suck it. He said, Well, he just pretty much put what they said in, at SEC Media Days, just in paper form. Yeah, he's like, okay, we can't be perfect. We're going to try to be as close to consistent as we can. And you all just going to have to deal with Don't it. Don't be babies. <laughs> yeah. And the, now, our boy Will Muschamp, he deserves it from – like. <laughs> Like gutless, <laughs> like I I get it. Like I, I I understand some of his complaints, and you know what? It's for him to do that. Like that's a good look for the fans and for his players, because that was a hard fought game that they could have easily won. Um, Stoops going out of his way, he he did a good job towing that line. Um, but I do like that somebody tried to ask in the in some sort of like, hey. Uh, you think it'll be like over officiated considering how last year's game's ended? And he's like, I just want to call, just get a call from my guys. I don't care. Just let me get a call. Mm-hmm. Well, Soup's is on edge a little bit after that Florida fiasco, too. Yeah. 
And we've talked about Florida. It's kind of their year where they're catching the breaks. They caught the breaks last year, too. You see on the road that they, they, they're catching the break, where the targeting on T.J. Carter, the call there at South Carolina where they run that pick route. And the block in the back on that one touchdown. The, the, the dude's just running touchdown. down the field holding the numbers on the back of his right. jersey. So it is what it is. It's almost like they, they're setting it up for the cocktail party to be a huh. big game. Hmm. 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 If you want to get – to mm. conspiracy theories. Is that in the unwritten rule book too, Mr. Lockett? It might be. <laughs> if Florida and Georgia are both good, let's let's have that, that game that's guaranteed. That's the only game that's guaranteed to be on CBS, 330. I don't know if you knew that or not. Really? Yeah. Every year? Every year that game's 330 CBS. Huh. More you know. So I don't know if that's in the contract or something, but certainly feels like there's some calls have gone the Gators mm. way that probably mm. shouldn't have this mm. season. Interesting. Interesting. Um... Did you have anything else you wanted to get to from the Georgia game? Other than well, shout out to the defensive backs for playing well. I was a big fan of theirs. Yeah, they they missed a couple tackles on Swift that caused some big runs that I think they got tired late. But that's four games in a row where Kentucky where the R B one is just on the other side has just destroyed Kentucky. Kylan Hill, twenty six for one twenty, three touchdowns. This is not even counting Tavian Feaster. Rico Dowdle, fifteen for one oh two had a touchdown. Yeah. Rakeem Boyd, 15 for 134, two touchdowns. And then the best of the bunch, DeAndre Swift, 21 for 179 and two scores. To be fair, that Boyd was like one play accounted for right. you know, most of it. But, but still, they, they count the same. Mm-hmm. And so RB1s are averaging 133.75 yards, yards the last four games, nearly seven yards per carry. They're getting torched um, by, by opposing running backs. And that's you know that's the biggest thing holding this defense back right now. That and they're not they haven't forced a takeaway in thirteen quarters, which is uh, surprising because I mean this is two years in a row where the weakness and the strengths we've kind of had flipped going into the season. Um, but I, I I just assumed that this team would be great at stopping the run. Uh, you know the strength of the team's the strength between your defensive line, you know, Cash Daniel, DeAndre Square, Chris Oates. You thought that they'd be better at it and. I think some of that is uh, the inexperience from the young guys that we underestimated who kind of only had to fill in in spot roles last year. Um, and I think a lot of it is Mike Edwards. Yeah. Well, number one, if they had their druthers, they're playing a lot more base now. I don't know if you noticed. I've noticed the last couple of games they're a lot more in base because nickel play has been, been bad. Yeah. So they've leaned a lot on that nickel spot for stops last year. They're not getting anything from that nickel spot. And then you look at Jack, what Josh Allen did last year was just incredible. Yeah, but still, that's a position that what that you should be getting close to set eight, nine sacks from that position, 15, 16 tackles for loss. Like, that's what that position is tailor-made in this defense to get, you know, have, havoc plays, get negative plays. And I think Josh Wright and Joshua Pascal are doing some good things, but they need a little more from that spot. And Kentucky is last in the SEC in tackles for loss. Ooh. So that's the big thing. So every time a, one of these backs gets a touches or a touch, they're falling forward for four, five, three yards. And then you sprinkle in a 15-yard run here, a 22-yard run there. Then all of a sudden that yards per carry mark is up to around six instead of if you've gotten a few tackles for loss sprinkled in there, it's down by four. So I think that's really hurting them. They're not getting those negative plays. Offensive lines are able to lean on them a little bit, and they're 
they're falling forward and they're getting ahead of the chains, and then that's hurting their third down defense because instead of third and seven, third and eight, they're in third and three. Well, and I think that's where we saw Kentucky improve the most and uh, just against Georgia was in those – they completed some tackles for loss. And it was uh, – that's why I, I was kind of joking, like, the strength right. is finally the strength. Well, but, they, they like, Boogie Watson had that awesome play. Mm-hmm. Um, you had a couple uh, – Chris Oates had that big play in the backfield as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they were much better at the line of scrimmage, but they wore down. Right. Georgia is number one in the SEC and tackles are also loud. They just don't give them up. This week it should be a little easier sledding. Yeah. And going up against another really good back. We see. I, I just named those four. And then now they have Larry Roundtree and still on the schedule is Keyshawn Vaughn. Mm-hmm. Javion Hawkins is on pace for like a 1,400-yard season at Louisville. It's amazing what happens to an offense when a coach uses a running back to run. Right. It's really, really bizarre. So, and Scott Satterfield, he really schemes up the run game very well. So, like, this, is, this, isn't, go- this ain't going away. Like, there's some more running backs coming down the chimney well, that they're going to have to be ready for. The thing was is we, we thought, like, oh, they've got it taken care of. Well, Michael Piran got stuffed up. Florida couldn't run the ball. Well, it turns out Florida can't run the ball against right. anybody. Right. Uh, but this week, we're going to see a lot of running again because guess what's coming? The hurricane. No, it's it's not an actual <laughs> hurricane, but Chris Bailey's latest European weather model predicts six inches, six inches of rain over the weekend in Lexington. Rain all day, every day, and. I do want to talk about just the impacts and the differences between Florida or between what ha- was in Athens and what it was here. And I think that's important to note that Athens is natural grass. So that has, that's some positives and negatives. The negatives are that when it rains all day like it did, the field just gets chewed up a lot easier. And when you lose your footing, it's because you're taking a big chunk out of the grass. Right. Kroger Field is an artificial surface. It's going to drain much better, so you won't get pools of it, um, and you're not going to be taking chunks out of it. But that stuff is slick. Yeah. Um, just on the top. I, I don't know what it is about it, but it's just it's that fake kind of plasticky stuff. You slip, you slide a little bit easier. Now, if it's not like um, so, like if Benny Snell were to lean on somebody and try to drive, his foot at Georgia would push the surface backwards and create a big divot and he wouldn't be able to go anywhere. That won't be the case at Croker Field, but if you're trying to get loose a la Lynn Bowden, a la A.J. Rose on the outside, you're more liable to try to plant your foot and just you, you slip and, mm-hmm. you're, and you're done. Right. So, I mean, for Kentucky, it's going to play into their advantage. But another big thing, too, is Georgia down there, there was wind. Yes, there the was wind was really 15 to 17 bad. mile power hour winds pretty much the entire game. Here they're calling for four to five, which is really shouldn't affect your passing game. I saw some where it was like the gusts could get up to fifteen, but like that's just for the most part it's going to stay in yeah. between that five to seven range. Right, now. right, which is important. So that in itself is going to help the passing game. The biggest thing in the Georgia game last week was just I think the wind was a big factor, and it was natural grass that had been rained on all day and as soon as the teams warmed up and after the first series the field was a mess mm-hmm. there were divots all over the field middle end zone was super muddy from where the teams warmed up in the beginning of the game it would but that's not going to happen at where we're at kroger field right so like i don't think missouri is gonna hey we don't need to throw it or we don't need to throw it more than 25 times missouri's still going to do what they do there it's kind of a pass heavy offense but they've watched the tape 
and they've seen what Kentucky has done against opposing run games. So I fully expect Larry Roundtree to get 20-plus carries in this game. So Missouri offensively, the, the, as far as play calls, they're very balanced. They're about 50-50 mm-hmm. when it comes to rushing attempts versus passing attempts. But for, as far as production, it's about 65, almost 65% of their offensive production comes in the pass game because Kelly Bryant's really good, and they couldn't run the ball at all by speaking against Vanderbilt. What was the round tree? He had like 26 yards. Yeah, on. it was like 12 carries for 28 yards, something yeah, like that. Just, just something really bad, which we watched some of it in the hotel room. I didn't go back and watch it. I mean, was it just the same kind of thing with Georgia where they just threw in a clunker? A little bit. I mean, there were penalties. Uh, Mizzou leads the SEC in penalty yards. Hmm. They had, I believe, 12, 13 penalties for over 100 yards. Vanderbilt watched a lot of Missouri tape, and they've been they did what I talked about doing. They struggled to stop the QB run game on defense. Their defense is elite in about every other area. Their number one pass defense in the SEC. Their traditional run defense is awesome. They've got a ton of experience, even without Kill Garrett, um, their star middle linebacker who was on pace to be the SEC defensive player of the year before he he was a tore his pectoral muscle, and he's probably out for the season. Um, but but. We've seen it a couple times where they really, really struggle to stop the QB run game. That was the biggest reason Wyoming beat them in week one. They just RPO'd them to death. And right. they, they had a pretty big guy, too. It wasn't like athleticism was getting right. them. They just were getting RPO'd to death by a big guy. Right. And Wyoming game was kind of a little bit fluky because Wyoming had a defensive touchdown, and then they had two long runs for touchdowns, and that's something Missouri really hasn't given up all season. Ole Miss played them, and they were right in the game with true freshman John Rice Plumley. Kelly Bryant also threw the worst interception in the history yep. of interceptions mm-hmm. in that in the Wyoming game. game. He, it was across his body to the other corner of the end zone. Like, what are you doing, dude? Right, and then John Rice Plumley went up there and had Ole Miss rolling. Then he got hurt, and that's kind of when the Tigers pulled away. And then they went to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt kept it quiet. Went to their third string quarterback Mo Hassan, who's more of a runner. Mm-hmm. And they just had a little bit of success early, and they made. Missouri playing a slog. Missouri leads the SEC in plays per game on offense. They run 75 snaps a game. Ooh. Derek Dooley is still uh, is the offensive coordinator. They've put in some more like pro concepts and more like traditional type like running game. That's why. But I, they still Brian's want to go. F- they that's why he went there because yeah. he wanted that for his NFL stock. One of the pro mm-hmm. have that on his resume. But they still want to go fast. They still. They're like an ISO spread offense. They want to split the field wide. They have speed at receivers. None of their receivers are taller than six foot one, six foot two. They're all around 180, 190 pounds, but they're all quick and fast. And so they want to spread you out, and they want to use the field vertically and try to create isolation situations and then slice you up with the pass game. They don't want to run Bryant a lot. They've had to no. here right lately, but they they talked about this week that Kelly needs to stay in the pocket more. He doesn't need to take off scrambling. They want him to be a pocket quarterback, and then they want to spread you out and then try to run you, run the ball inside the tackles. He uh, That year that he took Clemson to the college football playoff, that was his bread and butter. I think he had 11 touchdowns and like not, almost 900 yards rushing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think just in the four games he had last year at Clemson, his rushing stats are comparable. They've really tried to – I mean, and some of it has to do with he took that nasty hit at Troy, um, and so that, you know, some of it's self-preservation on their part. But I think the part that worries me more than anything in this game is the 
I, I forgot what the term that Stoops used for it, but it's it's less of Kentucky just not being sound in the run game and more of they're going fast and just they can't get lined up quick enough where they'll get a quick first down right. and then before you're even lined up, they're inside zone and then round tree right. bust a 10-yard run. It's important to remember with Bryant, first of all, that that year at Clemson you're talking about, he only averaged 3.46 yards per carry. This year at Mizzou, he's this is a sacks included. Unfortunately, I don't have the non-sack numbers. He's putting Which, up. That's stupid. It, can we just say that? Yeah, I wish they would change. Suck it. at college football. Sacks should count against your passing yardage, like it does in the NFL, and not your rushing yardage. But that's for another day. And then two point eight six yards per carry this year. So like he's not like this. You know, something's wide open. Zoom, fifty yards. <laughs> Something wide open. He could probably get fifteen to eighteen. Yeah, he can get. He's, he can. He can get away from pressure right. too. Like, he, he's a good athlete, and he can run a little bit, but it's not, it's not anything crazy. Like, he doesn't have Terry Wilson speed. Mm-hmm. So, Which, he's more of a thick runner. Like, when you when they do have run designs, it's more going to be, like, quarterback power, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Near the near the red zone. Right. Um, so, so run, I, QB run game from them, it's not something, you know, people see dual threat quarterback and get scared. Right. But this is not something that they're going to try to beat Kentucky with. It's something that they're going to use – a couple times a game as a wrinkle, but nothing I, they were going to lean on heavily. What I do, what it does make me worry though, is that you talked about Josh Pascal and Jordan Wright doing some good things, but not being mm-hmm. great. Well, might not have either of them on Saturday. Right. Stoops said they're both banged up. We're going to get doses of Jared Casey and JJ Weaver because Xavier Peters is being a snothead, for the lack of a better term. Uh, didn't travel with the team down to Athens because he wasn't showing up to meetings on time. So, a little bit of uncertainty at the outside linebacker position, and now you're going to get some true freshmen to come in and go try to tee off on a guy mm-hmm. who was playing in the college football playoff two years ago. It's right. it's, it's not an easy task. Now, I'm sure they will keep it simple for them when they are in the game because you have to. And I think Casey's a good enough athlete. What I worry about is that good pass rush against a, a guy who can move around in the pocket – is staying in your lanes and letting all four make the sack and not just one dude. And I worry that they're going to try to be a hero and that'll just open things up for him. And then you're what you're doing is you're hurting T.J. Carter and Calvin Taylor Jr. in their pass rush. Here's my take on it. I believe Stoops said in his coaches' show that Pascal should be able to play. So he might be playing hurt, but he's still going to play. I think because of what Missouri does on offense, Kentucky is going to be forced – to play more sub-packages than they have the last Ooh, few weeks. sub-package. So that's going to mean, you know, nickel a lot of times. So they're going to need that nickel to play this week. But when they go to that nickel, usually one of your linebackers drops out. Typically it's your sandbacker. Typically Boogie Watson. So, But this week, I think Boogie's going to be playing some jack. Mm-hmm. I think he's going – to play pretty much every snap, whether it's at Sam or Jack. And then, you know, they go to that magic package. Oh, yeah, my favorite. Now, I don't know what they're going to do to replace Pascal. I guess it'll be just, you know, whoever. But that's that's what I I would look for. And then who's if one of them is doing really well in pass rush between Weaver and Casey. That's this type of situation where I could see them playing. Right. When they're in magic, when they're on obvious passing downs, to just have them go and – do whatever they do, whether it's speed rush or whatever. Both of them are – I guess especially uh, Casey on the speed rush. Weaver's a lot longer. Right. Now, both of them coming into 
college. That was the big one of the big questions I had on them was what they were raw as pass rushers. So I don't know if they're really ready to contribute that. But I think, you know, it's getting to that point in the year where Stoops wants to start sprinkling in some of these freshmen. Mm-hmm. So I'd expect to see them on kickoff, stuff like that, punt mm-hmm. cover team. Right, right. Because there's an, a void there now that Stanley Garner's gone. Yes, which um, Stanley Garner announced he was transferring today. Um, it's no surprise. I think if you paid any attention to what he was doing on the depth chart, you noticed that he was getting played over by a true freshman before that true freshman broke his wrist, and then he still wasn't playing. And a corner in his same class. Yeah, Jamari Brown starting become a stud, um, pseudo starting. He's coming off the bench, but he's playing more he, than Cedric Dort, who's he, starting in front of him. He's one of their three that are mm-hmm. in the rotation. And Gardner came in ranked as a four star by rivals, um, but like, you know. Take that for what you will. He'll probably end up at a place like an FAU or something or like Juco. that. Or Yeah, and, and the reason why he was ranked so high is because he was a 6'4 safety. And they were like, ooh, he can play cornerback. But he never figured it out. Right. And, you know, it, it is what it is. Attrition happens. I don't think this is – you've had two in a week. Um, but the only thing from a – optics only hurts you in one of them. The other ones, they're just going to happen. Well, you had to look at it this way, too. Garner, now that he's two years in the program and he's being passed by guys that are pretty much his grade, you know, the deck was stacked against him in the secondary. So, so for the program, it doesn't you don't really lose much because you had guys that are playing over him already, and some are younger than him. Right, right. So it just gives you an extra scholarship. Sean Kell Knight Golf. You look at his position. You've got DeAndre Square, who's a sophomore. And then you have Trey Wilkins, same class, same position. And Wilkins has played special teams to this point. Yeah. Jamin so, Davis also. And Jamin Davis is a sophomore the in yeah. the same spot. So, depth-wise, you're still okay there. So, when you look at it that way, you sometimes you need some attrition. because you No, it need opens to, up spots in the next class. That The one that was supposedly strapped for mm-hmm. numbers, I think you can, they're getting close to where they can just have a full class. Right, yeah. right. Oh, and – give them options for the transfer portal to fill some spots that they might need filled for next year. Mm-hmm. Whether it's, you know, on the defensive line, maybe needing a guy to plug and play or just anywhere else. It's pretty funny too. On the football podcast Monday, we went through Charles Walker's recruiting class, which was that 2014 top 25 class, mm-hmm. like half of them, maybe, maybe half finished. Right. In UK. Maybe. Now they took a lot more risk back then because it was 2014. But that just that's how it goes. People transfer all the time. Right. It's college football. Right. Um, Kentucky will be just fine. Um, I think the bigger question though is, can you try? Can can you get this defense to play four quarters of football? Whereas last week you got two and a half before wearing and tearing down in the slop. This game is all about setting the pace. Barry Odom had an ugly stat this week. He's like two and sixteen as a head coach when his team doesn't score thirty points. Yeah, two and fifteen. Two and fifteen. Yeah. So, and we know what Kentucky wants to do. Their last twenty-one games, only one time has somebody scored over thirty points. So it's going to be all about what kind of game do we play. And with the with the rain, I think that's going to help Kentucky a bit because usually teams don't play as fast. Right. This when, just when it's pouring down rain. And even if it's not a. Like, if Kelly Bryant, every time he grips it and rip it, he feels good. There's a mental thing there. Right. There's going to be a couple inexplicable drops. Right. So, it's all about the start. We saw it last time Kentucky had a big home game. They started slow as molasses. Georgia, that's the fastest they've started all season. 
So can if they can get out to another, if they can make that a trend, get out to another fast start, kind of set the tempo, set the pace of the game, which is what Vanderbilt did to Missouri last week, then you force them to play your game in your house and a trend that goes your way because when you play this way, you've won games, and they when they have to play this way, they don't win games. So I think that's important to to set them up early to get Missouri playing Kentucky's brand of football. If Kentucky does that, they're going to be in really, really good shape. One of the main reasons they're going to be in really, really good shape is because Missouri has been really bad against stopping the QB run game like we yes. talked earlier. We mentioned that briefly, but I, I don't think it gets talked about enough. And he, here's the thing that I like, too, is that your boy Adam Luckett does not get, like, there's some things where, like, I can tell that you're kind of liking I feel like you really like the spot Kentucky's in this week. I do. I liked it a lot more before Missouri. Or Randy beat them. Dropped a brick last week. In, in, can, can the teams – like obviously, by can't lose, but Tennessee is going. They're they're going to get crushed the week before. Like that's inevitable, right? At this point, well, they play UAB at home. <laughs> exactly, I could see go them Blazers go, go Georgia. <laughs> they're going to Georgia State it, and they're going to mess it up. But it feels like that the balls have bounced against them the week before, and so then they kind of go there. Like Georgia, how do you have zero turnovers in the rain? Well, it's because you had four the week before. Well, you got all turnovered out. <laughs> like first play of the game, kickoff. Georgia can't pick up a damn football. Yeah. Kentucky just couldn't get down there. Oh my God! That just so you you hope that and then, Missouri then does, the one time Kentucky lays the ball on the turf, Georgia's all over it. Kentucky can't recover it. it yes. Yeah. So you 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 hope that maybe okay. So on the flip side, Adam, like it maybe it's Kentucky's turn to get some balls bounced in their way. It's been two or three games since they've had a forced turnover. Thirteen quarters since the Mississippi State game. Ugh. Gross. Yeah, it's time. It was that Quandre Mosley pick, right? Mm-hmm. It was the brand. Well, the last one they got was the Eccles sack fumble. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mosley's, Mosley's right before half. Yeah. Right. But still, so it's been a long time. Kentucky's due, and to our overarching point is the quarterback run game. Even though there was a lot of people who kind of circled on their calendar, this is probably where we're getting Sawyer Smith back. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> the Bruce Pearl face from the NCAA tournament, we're shaking. That's the face I make when anybody says Sawyer Smith this week. This ain't the week, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to tell you why. This Missouri defense has been elite when they face a non-QB run. They play four games. They've won all of them. They're giving up 2.94 yards per play, 1.24 yards per rush, 4.44 yards per pass. That is about as good as you can get. That's tops in the country. Those four games are why, when you look at the metrics, when you look at all the stats, why Missouri's defense is ranked top five up there mm-hmm. with the elites. Yeah, yeah, it's because of what they've done against traditional offenses. But now we've had some games where they faced a quarterback that can move a little bit, and QB run is heavily involved. QB design runs are heavily involved. In those three games, Mizzou is one and two. They've given up at least twenty plus points in each game. Vanderbilt only got 21. Ole Miss got 27. Wyoming was up there in like the high 30s. 37, I think. 37. So do whatever the math is. In those three games, they're giving up 5.81 yards per play. So that's three more yards? That's double? Yeah, it's double. And then, you know, that's that's down there towards the bottom. Like, if you were just going to look at the rest of the SEC in yards per play allowed, it would be ranked – 12th or third yeah 12th 
12th or 11th, and that's in between there. So and then they're giving up five point yard, five yards per carry, five point zero four. So that's more than double, more than twice their typical yards. And per then carry. when these teams are able to run the ball, that means Missouri's having to sacrifice to in order to stop the run. That's opening up the pass. They're giving up seven point two five yards per pass allowed. And when you look at what Wyoming Wyoming's quarterback done this year, he's putting up like five yards in attempt throwing. So it's not like he's a good thrower. <laughs> yeah. He's pretty much limbo <laughs> throwing wise. So you look at that, and that the stuff's going to open up. I look at it as twice Bowden's had Wagner. Once he was just a skosh out of bounds against Arkansas, and then last time it was just a drop. Mm, skosh, I haven't heard that word in a while. It's a good one, ain't it? Yeah, it's a really good one. I've been sitting on that one. <laughs> but so I think. And then he had the one. I mean, the Georgia one that he caught until he had the. Ground. I just think Kentucky's due in some spots in this game. I think. A big play to Wagner is due. They're getting close. A big touchdown is due. Zach Johnson returns it. I mean, just run the kicker over. I think Kentucky getting some bounces on some turnovers, getting some turnover luck. They're due there. And I think Lim Bolton is going to have a big game on the ground because there were some times in that Georgia game where you look and you saw, oh, he might break this one here, and then Georgia just zoom. <laughs> they got so much defensive speed. Mm-hmm. And so they eliminated a lot of that. Mizzou and- doesn't have that and – Mizzou starting strong safety, Tyree Gillespie. I believe he started on the team in tackles, uh, an important cog in their run defense. He had a nasty hit on – he knocked Mo Hassan, Vandy's quarterback, out of the game last week with He's, a concussion. He's suspended for the first half. Ooh, so they're yeah. starting a true freshman there in that spot, and that's going to be a spot that they're going to be asking to come in the box and help out. So I expect Kentucky to run that guy's way early. My dog just caught a chipmunk in the backyard. Kind of wish I was home for this. Oh, yeah? It's been critter time at the Roush house. Yeah. We had a raccoon bust in the attic, which, by the way, the people who, like, pay, like, are companies that remove critters from your house, total racket, absolute racket. I just, just put a metal screen up. I don't need all this junk. Try charging $700. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. I'm not paying that. I'm going to go hire a good old boy to just go put up a metal screen, <laughs> make sure that bastard ain't coming back. And then come to find out the dog, who, he's he's actually a little scaredy cat. He when, when I had him with my other friend's dog, who's a big country dog, he'll eat pot, he'll kill anything. Jag would be the, I'm going to trap him for you, you go get it. Chipmunks, though, I guess he's good enough to go get some little chipmunks. Is, is Merle is Merle hunting? Does he does he get critters, rabbits? He chases after them. Mm-hmm, but he's got some he, bloodhound in him, so he's got little. Has he ever gotten one though? I don't. He's eating a bee. At least I think he ate a bee. <laughs> That's a bee. <laughs> no, he. There was a mouse that was dead at, at, at under like a uh, something behind our house, and oh, he tried to act like he got that one, but oh. I'm thinking it was dead before. <laughs> but he's chased after squirrels, but he's never caught, never caught oh, one. We've had a rabbit living underneath our wood pile that whenever I'm like doing work, I'll see it dart out. And the dog's way too dumb to figure it out. So I'm actually I'm really proud of him because he's been very close to catching squirrels for the longest time. Finally got him a chipmunk. Well done. Good for old Jack. Yeah. Round of applause. Good boy. That's a very good boy. Um, and now my wife's dealing with it. God, she's going to be so <laughs> mad. Um, back to football. I kind of like we're, like the, the silliness that we're at with the quarterback situation too. Because with the Sawyer-Smith kind of experiment in general um, – I don't know how long he's been hurt, but even when he was great, I mean, he he had what was he first nine or ten or eleven passes he completed, but even after that, it was. 
Four I, turnovers? Well, Lynn Bowden hasn't turned the ball. He, he's had that one fumble. I think we're going to find out at the end of the year that maybe his injury was kind of serious and hard to play through. And that's why I would much rather just be like, like we, we've reached, as reporters, we don't even really ask about Sawyer anymore. Like, we, like I kind of joked with Henshaw just to get him to say something. But, like, mm-hmm. they – I mean, we've reached apathy at that point, and I kind of like the weirdness of this season now, too. You're going to get uh, a, a point where we've got Lynn Bowden running around at quarterback. We're playing in the rain about every week against teams <laughs> that just came off big losses. It's a weird season. It has been a weird season. And the you, QB injuries. And you know what, though? We deserve some of this. Karma works in mysterious ways, folks. I don't know if you're religious. I don't know if you're spiritual. Whatever you are, karma is real. And do you remember what the hell happened in this game last year? This is the wildest ending to a football game ever. Mm-hmm. People talk about the, their favorite moments as Kentucky fans. It's hard for me to say that the Missouri game was better than beating Georgia or beating Florida and snapping the streak. But you want to talk about shock and awe? Being on that field for that final drive. Snow victory from the jaws of defeat. Oh, my goodness. But but you, some of that was Kentucky didn't give up a first down and a half. Like, that's incredible. I, 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 I couldn't – I didn't go through and find the numbers. It was press for time. But I'm sure – I think it was like eight or nine, three and outs. You're right. That in Kentucky, they marched the ball up and down the field. They just couldn't finish drives. Yeah. So, like, which, that game was like – if you play that game a hundred times with those stats, Kentucky wins that game probably 90-something times. It's just they couldn't finish drives. And, which, by the way. Those are legit criticisms of Eddie Grand. The whole uh, – all like, the, if you want to know why I stand for Grand so hard, it's because of stuff like that. Like, they're not good at short yardage without Benny Snell. Yeah. And they haven't been great in the red zone at times. When they are good, the offense is humming. But, like, that's a legit criticism you could have for them. Now, to have the balls to call a fade to Ahmad Wagner, who hadn't played at all, and then – he gets a pass inter- – I mean, it's on the 10-yard line. He gets a pass interference with no time on the clock. And then, even though in that Texas A&M game, which was – it was the – this was the second game after the bye week, so three weeks prior. It was the game before the bye. Missouri was? No, you're talking about – oh, I thought you were talking about Texas A&M. Yeah, yeah. So, so okay. Missouri yeah, was yeah, three right. weeks after you're Texas right. A&M game. You're right. How much hell did people give him for not giving Benny Snell the ball in overtime? A and, lot. And he still – threw it on an untimed down on a timing route to C.J. Conrad. And it worked. And you know what? People talk about the genius of it. Mm-hmm. But re- like that's why offensive play calling, it's very fickle, and I appreciate that Grant has stuck to his guns. And this year it worked with Arkansas. They didn't try throwing a hurt Sawyer in. And it win worked to a T. And I have a feeling, here's the thing too, like it. I figured out too, I can't, like, like when I start asking questions that are a little bit too on the nose about, like, their – yeah, they've been good. The Q run's been really good against them. What, how, how has it worked so well against Missouri's defense? The coaches, they claim up. Yeah. They don't want to give away anything. So, like – I would too, probably. I in, in Is that me being a little egotistical? Sure. But I do think that the coaches are confident in what they can do against this Missouri defense with Lynn Bowden, and I think they know that – Last game, they were just incredibly limited, and some of it was mm-hmm. because it was what Georgia was doing in the run game. Yeah, I think that, that Georgia defense is pretty damn good. That's what I mean. Like they're going to stop getting out to the edge against Georgia's defense. It doesn't do you that much good either because they're so you fast. Can't, you can't get there. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, like they're. 
because those safeties are so damn good. They got there with Josh Ali on like the first possession. Yeah, and it got him a first down. That was about it. So yeah, I think the QB run game is big. But one thing to keep in mind is Missouri has five defensive touchdowns on the season. Five of those came in their first five games. Kel Garrett was responsible for two of them. They scored two defensive touchdowns against South Carolina. So ball security, especially in the rain, is going to be big because this is a, a defense that when you look at some of their offensive numbers, you're like, wow, they're putting up 34, 35 points per game, blah, blah, blah. But then you look at it, their defense has set them that offense up well all year. You see the, the five defensive scores. They have a punt return touchdown on the season. Last week an interception set up a score for Missouri against mm-hmm. Vanderbilt inside the red zone. So this defense just uh, – thrives on, on game-swinging plays. They've been awesome all season for the most part, except when facing that QB run game. They're strong in the red zone on defense, so that's something that the Kentucky's going to have to uh, be aware of. But they don't get a lot of sacks and tackles for loss. So when you do that, they're just winning on a down-to-down down down basis. They're just kicking ass on a down-to-down basis. They're and not giving up a lot of big plays. Some of the One of those defensive touchdowns was uh, Kel Garrett pick six with a torn pack. Yes. Another <laughs> one was – I think they had two in that game, didn't they? Another one was Ryan Holinsky. No, they just had one in the Troy oh, game. The they had two in the South Carolina game. Ryan Holinsky throwing the ball. It gets batted down. Instead of – okay, it gets batted down, and while it's in the air coming back to Lawrence Holinsky, instead of just hitting it and letting it fall or just letting it fall in front of him, he kind of grabs it and throws it to the ground he, real flimsily. I don't think wh- – Either Wakit or I could accurately how ridiculous this play by Ryan Holinsky was. But, yeah, he just like he, – he got a pass batted back to him, and sometimes you'll see quarterbacks catching it. He tried to knock it down, and in doing so, he caught it and then just fumbled it, and right. they picked it up and scored. It's completely ridiculous. Go look it up. But what I wanted to do is ask you about this because the, that South Carolina game reminded me South Carolina stunk it up. I mean, granted, that was Holinsky's second start. Yes, so after the Alabama game. Yeah, so that that was part of it. But Missouri said Missouri's defensive game plan that South Carolina implemented the following week against Kentucky was just make us. You got to beat us outside, and, and and they dared Eddie Grant to throw a lot of screens in that South Carolina game, and he did, and they couldn't do much. They dared him to do the little hitches, and it didn't do him any good. Missouri did the same thing to South Carolina. Is that what Missouri is going to try to do again this week against Kentucky? Yes, but they, they haven't stopped the QB, QB run all season. So that's the big variable they're having trouble figuring out how to defend. And if you can get Lynn wide, then Katie bar the door. Yes. What Kentucky, the biggest thing I'm looking for at Kentucky in this game is what can their running backs give them? In wins, they're producing. and losses, they aren't. And now you look, Cavassier Smoke has an injury. He's really hit the wall mm-hmm. since that Florida game. Yeah. I believe he's got like 80-something yards on 25 carries. I think it's 82 yards on 25 carries, and like 30 of them came on that one against Arkansas in the fourth quarter. As soon as you they started using him for promotional materials in that Mississippi State game, yeah, mm-hmm. it didn't really worked out. So he's hit the wall. He's had injury issues, the migraine. Now he's got a shoulder sprain he's dealing with. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if he's even in the game plan this week. It might be wise just to sit him out, let him get the bye, and then have him come back for Tennessee. Yeah, and I kind of liked what um, Rodriguez did. And then you're too. looking at Rose and Rodriguez, who are two kind of clashing styles. So can those guys against a strong 
traditional run front, can they give you 25 carries? Can they get close to around 100 yards? Can they give you four yards per pop or more? If they can do that, that's really going to open up things for Kentucky. Like I said before, Bolden's going to have a big day on the ground. But what can Eddie Grant scheme up? I think this is the game where you got to be like, hey, we got to throw it a little bit. Maybe let Bolden throw it on a screen or or slant or something just intermediate, some easy throw to just make the defense respect it. And then can you hit one or two to Wagner? If you do all those things, I think you have a chance to have a really big day on offense. And it could be a fun day. Fun in the rain. Mm -hmm. Kind of like that Mississippi State game last year. Or maybe that Missouri game, which please be nice, Kentucky fans. Don't show any Missouri fans Ahmad Wagner catching the ball outside of the back of the end zone pass interference being mm-hmm. called. Don't don't they've had a rough time. If you show it to them, they will get upset. Just don't, please. Just be good hospitable fans. It would just it would be a real shame if Missouri fans had to relive that anguish. That's all I'm saying. And it'd be a real shame if they had to do it again. Poor, poor Mizzou fans. Another thing to keep in mind, Mizzou's defense ranks first in the country in three and out rate. Over 50% of their opponents' possessions are three and out. Oh, well, that's not good. So, Kentucky, that's going to be big. Just get get started. Just get a first down. Just move the ball. Do not – especially with that offense, the tempo they run a run at, that's the last thing you need on offense in three and out. So – Kentucky had a bad one against Arkansas. Remember, they were backed up, mm-hmm. three and out, and then it, that created an Arkansas touchdown drive. They're only – the only sustained drive all night. And they had a couple against Georgia three and outs where they could not have one, where they were kind of in scoring territory – they get a couple first downs or in field goal range. Instead, they go three and out. So that's going to be important to remember. Kentucky not going three and out, moving the chains a little bit, and just helping their defense out and controlling that time of possession and making Missouri play a game where each team's only going to get about 60 to 65 snaps on offense. Yeah. Slow it down, run the damn ball. Run the damn ball. Run. Which is what pretty much what Darren H- Henshaw said. Ball. Mm-hmm. I love it. Just ground and pound, baby. Ground and pound. Mm-hmm. I, you know what's funny? Like, I was. I was going through Twitter today, and I saw saw something here. It's, it's a letter. It says, Dear Parents, I'm reaching out to you to let you know that the <laughs> recent claims that I am, quote-unquote, pursuing an exit strategy are total crap. It's an annual strategy driven by our enemies to cause disruption to our program and to negatively recruit. By the way, I don't even have an, quote-unquote, agent or representative. I am committed to your sons, their education, and to their development as football players and people. Please excuse the informality of this letter, but I felt that it was important to get this out to you as quickly as possible. Feel free to reach out if you have any questions. Happy to discuss. Go Blue, Jim Harbaugh. First of all, I don't believe him, but if any coach didn't have an agent, Harbaugh would be high on that list. (laughs) He does his own negotiations. Oh, man. Listen, there's two – Football Scoop had two two reports this week. And those of you all don't know, Football Scoop's a website – They they basically they they get all their scoop from agents. Yeah. Who? Yes, that's what I was getting at. The, yeah. The the guy who runs it, his brother is an agent, and yeah. his dad was an agent. I'm pretty sure. So that's Zach Barnett. No, it's a Pete Rossell. It's a guy, or Scott Rossell is the guy who runs it, and then right. I think his brother Pete is a sports agent. Got you, got you. But they do. They are always on the cutting edge of. Mm-hmm. Now here lately, that the market's kind of been open a little bit, and you see more people get into kind of the news breaking, but. Four years ago, that was the site. They were breaking everything. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's 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 where they make their hay. That's where they make their money. So basically, mm-hmm. they had two reports this week. First one, I believe, was Harbaugh saying he's looking for an exit strategy. He, things aren't working. They're not going to win the Big Ten again. 
some people are, are, aren't happy, but he's not doing poor enough where Michigan can fire him. He's kind of the native son. Yeah. Maybe he's just kind of like huge this, buyout. This ain't working. Let me get out of here while you know the stock, the stock or the cupboard stocked a little bit. It could be easy for a coach to come in here, succeed in year one, and then let me get back in the NFL somewhere. So that's why that was Harbaugh's response. Right. Obviously, Mark Stoops. A lot of people think could be a candidate there. I don't. I'd be surprised if it got past Matt Campbell. I think that's kind of job that fits him, yeah, and that Iowa State teams having a really good season. That area too. Yeah, yeah right yeah. there in the Midwest. So um, let's go down to Florida State. Which so this is a question, or this is a tweet from Mike Farrell. Said, despite the denial, mm-hmm. I think there's interest on Florida State part on why and why wouldn't there be? And now that Urban Meyer has come out and said he would be interested in the Cowboys' job, all bets are off as far as his recurrent return to coaching. Some random person just said Mark Stoops is their next coach, talking about the Seminoles, and Mike Farrell agrees with this. Mike Farrell, if you don't know, he is the head honcho at Rivals. Mm-hmm. Head recruiting guy. Yeah, and I don't I, I don't like particularly enjoy anything he does. Like don't put too much stock into what he's putting on Twitter yeah, yeah. when he's, it comes to coaching. Certainly. He is more of a pundit than uh like this, this, the content that he puts out, I right. kind of laugh at. Like, especially during camping season, Farrell's five. And then we have to talk about the AD's response to that. Pretty much saying Urban Meyer would never be a candidate for Florida State, saying, we ain't hiring no damn Gator. My words, not his. Yeah. Saying, Spurrier ain't going to be a candidate either. So what he's saying Ooh, that, is, like, yeah, and that's we're, what, not, we're not touching any of that Florida stink. Mac Brown said that uh, he thinks that Steve Spurrier could <laughs> end up coaching somewhere again. I, the the only problem with that is that like like I think Spurrier would enjoy, like I, the reason why he did the alliance thing is he could just coach ball he, he could just, just draw plays yeah and he didn't have to do with deal with all of the recruiting because like that's the Spurrier's also seventy four years old he'd be seventy five the start of next season yeah no he, Mac Brown is Nick Saban's age people think Brown is older than he, I mean he's old but he's not as old as I think people think he and, is and and the thing that like I think people don't get in most jobs too is like. Like there's stuff like like today, uh, I was dealing with a bunch of credentials and expense report, just like stuff about my job. Like it, my job isn't just talking into a microphone and pounding on a keyboard. There's a lot of other annoying things. And Spurrier, I think, would love to live in a world where he could just still coach ball and not have to deal with anything else. And that's what he got in the alliance. That's mm-hmm. what he would get if he went and did the XFL or some right. other venture. But and, and that's why I think to back to Jim Harbaugh, I think. Even though I, I kind of wanted to see him do it once because I, I, we had this conversation just on the road trip. I like seeing the the native sons just do it once to like reach that dream, to achieve that goal. I think mm-hmm. we're getting close to it with Coach O, and it makes me really happy. And I wanted to see it once with Harbaugh, but he does kind of annoy me, and I think he's a better NFL coach. I think, right. I think in the NFL, that environment just suits right. him better, and that's where I ultimately think he'll end up in this offseason. Right. Yeah, well, I, I could definitely see that happening. And, like, if Michigan opens, like, obviously Stoops' name is going to be there. But, like I just mentioned, it, like with Matt Campbell sitting there, I'd be very surprised if he wasn't the next head coach of Michigan. And then go down to Florida State. I just have a hard time seeing them bringing in a guy that's going to run the kind of offense Stoops wants to run. They're kind of a fan base where they just want to score points. That's just kind of the Florida thing down there. You have to score points. They don't want to win with kind of ugly defense. Mm-hmm. So when I when I look at that, I see some them looking towards a guy that maybe runs a more wide open offense than what Stoops is going to run. Which, 
And I don't know if they're uh, they're totally cool with like, all right, yeah, let's bring back the Jimbo tree because that worked out so well. <laughs> so I, I don't know if that's really what they're yeah. looking for. Well, and, and from Stoops' perspective too, I think Stoops, the appealing part of that job is also the worst yeah. part of that job. And that's you get out, you can recruit whoever, wherever, mm-hmm. and you've got everything you need to mm-hmm. succeed there. But look what it's done to the last two coaches. They've chewed up and spit out. Guys. Right. But and I also think at the same time, if both those schools want him, I think it's going to be hard for him to say no because that's your chance to go win a national championship somewhere. That's true. If it doesn't work out, you know, it doesn't work out, he can go be a high-level defensive coordinator somewhere for the last six, seven years of his career and make good money. So if that happens, I think he would be hard for him to say no. But I just don't – I think he's a little bit down the list – Right. I think the year for Stoops to take a move is probably after next season. I think Kentucky is going to have a really good football team next season. I've always thought this season was kind of a bridge year mm-hmm. into next year because I think next year they're going to have that defense ready to rock and roll. A senior Terry Wilson, you lose Lynn Bolden, but you return most of your offensive line. Your offense is going to have a ton of juniors and seniors. Mm-hmm. I think next year is the year to get to, and which is why these last five games – Back in the preseason, we always were going to determine, was this season a success, was it not a success, with what Kentucky does in the last five games. Beat Tennessee and Louisville. Take care of Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. Can you beat Missouri in what game you're probably going to be an underdog in? Yeah, that's a big – which, Can by you, the way, Missouri's been a double-digit favorite in every game except South Carolina, and they were nine-point favorites. Right. Pretty crazy. Right. They played a weird schedule. Very weird. So, can you finish strong? Now, the variables have changed because Terry's out – the offense has had some really bad moments. The defense, you know, has gone through some young growing pains like we thought. And a lot of the games have been ugly. And now you've got a quarterback playing – or running – or receiver playing quarterback, excuse me. So, a lot has changed. But still, what happens in these last five games are going to determine whether the season is a success or not. When you look at the schedule, you know, you've, you're facing – your double-digit dog in Missouri, which is something you probably didn't see coming in. But still, I think that you match up well, you're going to have a chance to win. The Tennessee game is going to be a toss-up. Tennessee's probably going to be favorite, but it's going to be like about one or two points. Vanderbilt, you're going to be around a touchdown favorite on the road. Louisville, you're going to be favorite when they come in, as of right now. So the the chance is still there to finish strong. And I, I think the the storyline around the season can change if Kentucky does finish strong. I think <laughs> the opportunity is there. You went out, you're 8-4. Right. And that's with one bow Nick quarterback for most right. of the season. Maybe, Pretty wild. You know, just you drop one, you're seven and five. And you yeah, exactly. Take care of business. So there's a there's a really good chance to end the season strong. And that would be very uncommon towards the early parts of the Stoops tenure where it was win five games and then try to get one and you just couldn't. Right. Yeah. Well it, Which it's in th- those schedules the wins were at the beginning. Right. This, this year, year the wins are at the end. Which I do want to bring up that point because one of those brutal ones was uh that Vanderbilt game in 15, and it was the game after Georgia. And I don't know if it – even though Kentucky, this margin of victory wasn't even far near the closest uh, for Georgia in the Stoops' tenure. That one obviously came three years ago uh, when they lost by a field goal. It doesn't feel like this is going to be some sort of like, like – I, I, I think there's – Instead of being emotionally let down because you let one slip away, I think there's some like, hey, we played with them kind of vibes. That's what you team. got from the team this week when media sessions. With especially them. with the offensive line, which is good to hear. Especially when you're thinking that they're going to be able to run the ball against this Missouri team. So I'm feeling good, like it. 
You feeling good? I do. I think Kentucky's got a really, really good chance in this game. I think they're going to need the turnover breaks to be able to win. It'd be nice to have our, our, our rowdy contingent right. there. I know it's not going to be packed because of the weather. It could, but in the rain like that, sometimes those are the rowdiest crowds. It gets loopy, man. That Mississippi State game last year was wild. Now, it's going to be a little bit colder. It's going to be in the upper 50s, lower 60s, but still, it can get nice and loopy. But I like Kentucky's chances. And how how about our guy Joe Moorhead and Derek Mason this week? <laughs> Joe Moorhead got put in the heater by Paul Feinbaum. Oh, man. And his AD did too. Pretty oh, yeah, John Cohen. Huh. Body language saying, yeah, I'm getting the hell out of this dump. <laughs> and Derek Mason. And Derek Mason pretty I'm much. I'm built for this job. <laughs> and he did it again at the, on the today at the teleconference. He's pretty much, what he's telling me is like, hey, coaching community. This job freaking sucks. You do not want this job. Don't float your name out there. <laughs> but while I'm here, I'm going to I'm gonna do the best job anyone can in this. And I, I respect that. And you I, know what, though? He ain't wrong. No. And I, you have to wonder. I'm just sitting there wondering, like, the Vandy front office or whatever you want to call it has to be like, God damn, what is he doing? <laughs> he's making this sound so bad. If we if they're playing this, it's really firing him, and he's just saying how much this job sucks. Oh, I respect the hustle, my man. You got to. You got to. But we got to get out of here. We appreciate you all listening. We appreciate you all subscribing. We appreciate uh, Vacation Experts for letting us talk at their office. And we'll appreciate seeing you Saturday. It'll be a lot of fun. And also, thanks for all the people who came up. I, I meant to do this last week. But for all the folks who came up at the last pregame show before the Arkansas game and said, hey, that 11 personnel is awesome, man. We appreciate what you all do. That doesn't go. That doesn't fall on deaf ears. Thank like, you. Yes. Awesome. That, and this is a very thankless job, too. It's a cool job, very very thankless. So when you get that kind of response, it's really incredible. So and good job to you, Luckett. That's a lot of it's on you. So yeah, pat that yourself on the, on the shoulder. And you, listener. Hey, you're the engine that drives the truck. Ra- raise your hand, pat yourself on the shoulder, and then get that thumb and smash that subscribe button. Rate and review. Thank you much. We'll see you all Saturday at the Kroger Field. Go Cats. Go Kroger.